Preston? I don't know. Well, his hair is kind of, I don't know. Brown. No, it's not really brown. Oh, he's tall. Yeah. He's kind of, kind of tall, sort of tall. And he's like always wearing like t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Bruh. <laughs> 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 so he's sort of tall. Kind of. With hair. Yeah. And he wears t-shirts sometimes. Yeah. Yes. That's it? Yes. Well, I mean, he's Preston. Preston, you know? Preston? I like that guy. Preston! You know who else I like who never got much play is Velma from Scooby-Doo. She, right. she was also a cool, she was a hip, hip, hip lady. Chip. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? My fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Andy! Yo, Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode 20 can't hardly wait our first big milestone at least since episode 10 we've made it to 20 (laughs) against all odds (laughs) yeah and people said it wouldn't last yeah we got another milestone coming up in five episodes (laughs) yeah we've decided to treat 25 as a bigger milestone but we'll save that for when we get there and we can certainly talk about that later (laughs) all right so subscribe to our show on itunes (laughs) follow us on twitter at Greatest Pod, and uh, rate and review us, and send us your feedback. We did. We we actually did get a review recently on tw- on iTunes. No, uh <laughs> yeah, a real one. I I don't know. What did it say? What is it? What does real mean? Not posted by you. It was not posted <laughs> by me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, well, what did it say? I don't remember. Oh. It was positive. Oh, okay. Um, you'll have to look that up yourself. I forget. Okay. It was probably like one of your friends. Mm. Um <laughs> Uh anything else to say or uh no. All right. Let's just get we'll into see it. See you next week. <laughs> oh. Okay. So <clears throat> can't hardly wait. Just a quintessential 90s classic. Yeah, uh sometimes we talk about well, often we talk about uh these kind of Late 90s, early 2000 teen movies. Was it this one that we said that always seems to resonate with the dudes and she's all that? That is always like the favorite of the chicks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or you said that and I was like, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. Um, this is like, out of all the teen movies of that era, this is, in my opinion, definitely the, the dude one. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, obviously, Ethan Embry... Preston it is Preston. He's the main character, and you know, we kind of get involved the most in his story. And you know, 
uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt playing uh, Amanda Beckett. She's like the dream girl. <laughs> and for a certain, you know, age group of guys out there, I mean, she basically was the dream girl, I Just think, for a lot of guys. an unbelievable angel in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was like... Definitely a big time celebrity crush of mine for a few years. It in was that like time period. if she kind of walked into a room and you saw her out of the corner of your eye, it was that like time stops alone by heart starts playing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she had she had it all in 98. <laughs> <laughs> Not that she doesn't know. Yeah, so I think like. It definitely uh, resonated big time with me uh, the first time I saw it, and it was like a movie that like kind of corresponded with a lot of other things in my life in that like '98 time period. If uh, <laughs> you were graduating high school, <laughs> how dare you? You know, just like kind of getting interested in. Uh, movies and music that more like reflected not exactly like my life yet but like kind of that um aspirational kind of thing like man it would be great to have an experience like you know <laughs> yeah Preston in can hardly wait or like uh William even <laughs> <laughs> okay so the movie starts with uh graduation um some pretty good like voiceover <laughs> <laughs> yeah we kind of get like a little uh introduction to some of the characters i guess uh in like that i don't know there probably were a lot of other movies that did similar things before this but it's like the first time i remember like kind of the freezing on and then using like the yearbook stats as like an introduction you know like yeah. a picture and then like oh this is what clubs or sports they were involved in and that kind of thing and like a quote or whatever oh yeah and then like you know it'll the live action picks back up after you get that little introduction type thing and the big activity of the movie is a party at Kind of an anonymous girl's house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't really ever get her name. Most of the characters, other than the main ones, aren't really named. She doesn't really seem to be friends with anyone either, which is interesting. I guess she just felt compelled to have this party. I guess just because her parents were out of town. That was like... I, yeah. That's the idea. That that's enough of a reason that you should just have a party and everyone should be there. Kind of a solid parental move to be out of town the night of <laughs> high school graduation yeah. for your daughter. <laughs> And based on the family portrait only child. Yeah. And uh, I like how she's like wearing like a dress at the party too. And it's not really like. She thought it was going to be a classy (laughs) affair. It's not a casual like summer dress. It's formal. Yeah. She's, she's thinking we're adults now. We graduated (laughs) high school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she sweats her own party throughout the course of the movie. It's kind of like a recurring joke. Like. People basically trash the house and <laughs> right in front of her, you know, graffiti the uh, family picture, family portrait, track dog shit into the house on their shoes, you know, just like different things going on. Yeah. And she's just a mess. But the big news of this high school, which I don't remember the name of the high school, it's not really a big focal point in the movie. I'm sure, like, San Dimas. I'm sure, like, uh, 
Melissa Joan Hart, who is the girl obsessed with getting all the signatures. I'm sure she <laughs> says the high school name at some point. But uh, and she would go on to play high school characters for years following. Yeah, this movie. Uh, before we even get into the story, like it's worth noting that this movie has a lot of recognizable people in it. Some in bigger roles than others. Uh, some little more than just cameos, really. Or just brief appearances. Like, uh, I mean, Melissa Joan Hart at least has like a fair amount of screen time. But like, yeah. you get Jason Segel and Selma Blair. And that Clea Duvall from The Faculty. Yeah, and Sarah Rue. Oh, and yeah. uh, Eric Balfour, is that his name? And yeah. Just like a lot of random people popping up throughout. Um, a lot of people who would continue to make appearances in a variety of teen movies. Yeah, I was I was reading uh, an interview, like a recent look back kind of interview with like the directors, and um, there was co-director, co co-writer. It was a man and a woman. They were talking about how there hadn't been like a big teen movie since like Scream, which had been like a couple years prior, which was the example they used. Although I I, I don't really categorize that as a teen movie, <laughs> but. Just there, there were a lot of young actors and actresses that hadn't been. There weren't like a lot of roles for until like you know ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand. Whenever teen movies really picked back up, and so they kind of had like their pick of tons of people just coming in eager to work, ready to read, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so that that's that was her explanation for how they got like so many of these people. And they this was Jason Siegel's first movie. They just talked about how they wished, at, I mean, this is probably a lie in retrospect, but they yeah. were just like, yeah, we wished that we had a bigger part to give him because we just thought he was so funny and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. Yet they probably didn't realize he was in the movie until, you know, eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's entirely possible. But um, anyway, so <laughs> I'm getting comfortable here. <laughs> so the main storyline is that the most popular girl in school, uh, Amanda Beckett, has recently broken up with her... Somehow the most, like, memorable, like, full name. <laughs> yeah. She's broken up with uh, her boyfriend. I, get, I assume he's the quarterback of the <laughs> high school football team. He's definitely on it. Uh, Mike Dexter, who's, like, the popular jock guy. And our hero, Preston, he... <laughs> has had this crush on her since freshman year when she first transferred over to the, their school. And he's yes. been carrying a torch for her for four long years, and he feels like tonight at this party, now that she's newly single, this is going to be his big moment. Well, they had so much in common upon first meeting, in quotes, uh, such as they both had the same flavor Pop-Tart. Which, right. You know, is... A good enough reason for any dude to just be like, we're soulmates. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I think any dude that looked at her would think we're soulmates. Yeah, I know, but you got to figure out that other reason. Well, his it, that he thought that was his in. Yeah. <laughs> hey, remember how you had a strawberry frosted Pop-Tart four years ago? <laughs> yeah, she's like, who are you? But, well, yeah, basically, which, yeah. you know, we'll get to, but... <laughs> Always jumping ahead. Um, you know, these were uh, first-time directors, and so they kind of thought, you know, it would be easier and less expensive to pretty much set 
almost the entire movie at one location, which is this party. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it board at times it, it kind of borders on like an ensemble type film because you do spend a lot of time with a lot of the other characters. Preston kind of fades out of the narrative for a little bit. You know, we have Preston is, you know, joined by his uh best friend who is a girl, Denise Fleming, played by uh Lauren Ambrose, and she's kind of like a I don't know, it's rebel. A, yeah, like an alt chick kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like uh goes against the grain. People don't understand me or ever uh maybe hangs out in like some poetry clubs. and uh you know she's she's you know reasonably supportive of preston's endeavors i mean i kind of think she thinks that this is like it's a lost cause like it's kind of a foolhardy mission but she's she's not gonna like you know completely crush him yeah she's like kind of willing to humor this you know idea that he has that this is gonna be his big night his big chance to profess his love for Someone who, based on their um, social standings, is, you know, way out of his league, probably. So, you know, it's kind of like, I think Denise kind of views it as like a a shot in the dark. Yeah, like, I hey, mean, to be fair, she's out of everyone's league. <laughs> true. A big question that, like, I have is why... Okay, so Amanda breaks up with Mike. She kind of gets dumped by Mike, who has... You know, we'll we'll find out that he's got big he's plans. got big plans for this summer and going into college. He thinks that college is going to be like a nonstop orgy, orgy, and like, yeah. I mean, he's got his head up his own ass, really. Like, he doesn't, you know, he's he thinks he's hot shit and it's going to be great at college. And so he breaks up with his smoking hot girlfriend. So in a way, this is as we'll find out from her later. Like, this is like her whole identity was being. Mike Dexter's girlfriend. This is her awakening now. Her social circle of friends who, you know, includes, like, Jamie Presley and some other hot chicks. Like, they're all... (laughs) stable of hot chicks. They're all dating, like, Mike Dexter's friends. And it's like, that's their clique or whatever. And now that she's been dumped, she's kind of having, like, an identity crisis in in some ways. And it's kind of like, why does she even go to this party? Yeah, I guess it maybe she just feels like compelled to be at it since it's the end of school. But I guess because there's also you also have to take into account like when we see her throughout the night, she, she doesn't really herself. Yeah, she doesn't really seem to be socializing with no, anyone. No, she's sitting on the couch by herself. She doesn't seem to know who to talk to cuz yeah. like she has her interaction with her like quote unquote friends who you can tell that she doesn't really like yeah. and they go off, you know, with their boyfriends who Mike has tried to get to break up with, you know, he's tried to get all of his friends to break up with their girlfriends too, but they're kind of not really doing it. Well, and originally they're agreeing to it. And then as soon as their girlfriends start like dancing around them and, you know, putting their arms around them, they're like, well, this isn't so bad. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they they don't quite have Mike's uh, grandiose vision of what's <laughs> yeah. to come. They're preoccupied with what they got. Yeah. <laughs> A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, <laughs> I guess you could say. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Amanda kind of just floats around the party as like this, you know, vision of loveliness, but yeah. not connecting with anyone other than her cousin. Even though there are like a lot of dudes kind of sniffing around. Amanda. Hey, uh, 
I just saw what happened tonight. Oh, God, you're a hottie. Hey, can I see you naked? Amanda, you remember that time you danced with me in the soft pop? I never told you, but I had the hugest boner, and I oh thought maybe, God. you don't know, we could work things out. Yeah. Kind of not really immediately. I don't know if everyone needed to get like a couple drinks in well, them they, first. That all that all takes place after the, oh, the breakup confirmation. Yes, I think um, you know there could be some potential fear of like, well, we don't know exactly what's going on. Maybe Mike still has dibs on this, and yeah, we don't want to get involved. I don't want him to beat my ass. So yeah, it's kind of strange that she just shows up at this party, but I guess it's kind of like a, it's what she knows, and b, maybe it is like kind of a hey. You know, I'm not going to let this yeah. dictate my life. Maybe she wants to show everyone that's known her as this for the past four years that she is her own person, which is just a hot chick with no friends now. Yeah, and maybe she doesn't want people to think that this breakup has affected her so badly that she wouldn't even make an appearance at something like this. Right. And also, it's possible that she doesn't... She's conflicted at this... At the point of her arriving at the party, maybe she's still conflicted about what's going on with Mike because when they do have their, you know, face-to-face confrontation, like, momentarily, she seems to kind of engage somewhat with his... Not not for, that, for she's, a moment, not that yeah. she's wavering and thinking of getting back with him, but, like, at that point, when that confrontation happens, she has discovered Preston's letter. She doesn't remember who Preston is, but she's... She seems to get confidence from that letter because she specifically is holding it and saying someone does care or whatever. So, yeah, which to that, I mean, like, a bunch of dudes are just like, yeah, I wrote that letter. I care. (laughs) Yeah. It's strange. Like, the whole thing with how she reacts initially to Preston's letters is bizarre, but that's jumping way ahead. Yeah, I mean... It is weird because even though she is like just like a friggin' smoke show, she basically kind of reveals that she, before she transferred to this high school, that she was kind of like a nerd that no one cared about, which... That's a lie. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, the whole point is supposed to be that like, oh, she got all wrapped up in this like, oh, Mike Dexter wants to date me and now I hang out with all the popular people. And that, like, took over her high school life, but now she wants people to realize that that's not really who she was. Although she let herself be that for four years, I mean. Yeah. um, That's more than just a little taste. She's kind of a confusing character. Her motives and her logic seem kind of strange. Um, And that becomes more pronounced even, like, at the end of the film. But, uh, so, we've met Preston and... Denise and we know who Amanda and Mike are but we also get introduced to Kenny (laughs) and his group of friends um Kenny played by Seth Green is basically like a wigger (laughs) yeah (laughs) who's rocks ski goggles he's got like goggles he's got huge pants Um, huge pants really just I uh, mean insane very he talks in an affected (laughs) style that's you know, a complete put on would and be construed as offensive, probably. <laughs> yeah, he's very brash. Um, you know, but we it doesn't take long to see that you know it's all an act, and he's uh, a virgin uh, looking to score at this party. Yo, I gotta have sex tonight. Oh, ah, ah. 
I'm gonna peep this. It say here 92% of honeys at UCLA sexually active. 92% of women in Los Angeles at UCLA walking around going, class or sex? What shall I do? 92%, yo. You know what that means, don't you? Huh. That means I got some 92% chance of embarrassing myself. I roll up on that shorty like, what's up, yo? She be like, you don't know 20 different ways to make me call you big papa? Because I don't, yo. Rest in peace. Um, He thinks that there's some a- lucky girl. <laughs> This is going to be like his big moment. and he, He's he, made a list of 10, <laughs> which is one of the great parts. Yeah. And he brings a backpack filled with like s- stuff. Sex candles, uh, some sort of Kama Sutra type book. Uh, a lot of condoms and <laughs> yeah. lotions and oils and lubes and all kinds of great stuff. Uh, everything that you remember about high school sex e- at a party. Everything that a girl in high school having sex with a guy wants to see pulled out of a backpack right at the pivotal moment. <laughs> really sets the mood. So yeah, he's kind of like a comedic character for a lot of the film. Um, and then we kind of just like you know, dance around the party and see various other people. Um, you know, a guy who's obsessed with memories from <laughs> uh, high school, uh, a foreign exchange student who's being taught how to say things like, I am a sex machine. Do and- you want to touch my penis? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Cut that out. <laughs> uh, surreptitiously... Uh, during the whole party, we we see that a group, a trio of um, less fortunate high school chums, uh, nerds, if you will, <laughs> they have decided to stage some sort of a revenge plot. Yeah, directed at uh, Mike Dexter. Um, their plan stinks. Yeah, to be it's fair. so bizarre that this is what I mean. This is kind of like a reoccurring theme in movies, like revenge that just doesn't seem like it'd be like that great like in dazed and confused when they pour like white paint on ben affleck it's like well no i mean that's kind of cool is it i don't know i don't know having paint dumped on you would kind of suck i guess yeah i don't think well this is like this this obviously plays into the whole idea uh well the plan is that uh william uh who played the little boy in hook he's going to go into the <laughs> which party. needs to be pointed out yeah <laughs> He goes into the party and he's going to mingle and assimilate into the party. And somehow, which is unclear, he's going to lure Mike Dexter back to the pool house. And his two buddies who have been spending the entire night on top of the pool house are going to jump down from the roof and use, like I guess, chloroform to <laughs> render... Mike Dexter and a friend that they also needed to lure back there unconscious and then pose them in like lurid gay positions and take pictures of them, which there's so much so... wrong with that. <laughs> like, A, it's like, it it definitely plays upon like the gay panic idea, like being gay would be like the worst thing imaginable. But it also the fact that that's like something like, there's something like homoerotic about wanting to do that to someone and thinking that that would be like, and that that's the first thing you think of. Yeah. Like even though that plan is like so insane, like this nerd that these guys have like pushed around and made fun of is somehow going to like lure two of them out there and then they're going to like get jumped on. I mean, I just feel like Mike Dexter, even drunk could grab one of these guys midair and just choke slam him to the ground. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's not a great plan. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. Okay. But, um, so, uh, of course, you know, William enters the party and immediately loses all control, <laughs> <laughs> gets drunk, and shockingly becomes like the life of the party. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of has like this weird uh, transformation into, you know, the most popular guy imaginable. Yeah. Just by kind of like karaokeing along with some Guns N' Roses and acting wild. And, yeah. you know, next thing you know, chicks are fighting to make out with them. A lot of false hope in this movie for loser nerds in 1998. <laughs> well, yeah. that's Kind of saw my life going a different way after I saw this movie. I, I think like, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, I could definitely see you as like a loser for four years of high school and then singing karaoke at a party on the night of graduation and getting yeah. popular. Mm, well, okay, maybe most of that happened, except when I was like dancing around drunk, people were like, we gotta get this loser out of here. <laughs> there were no chicks fighting to get into the closet with me. <laughs> and, you know, we get the uh, uh, we get the band, which is also like a recurring joke throughout the movie. There's a, a <laughs> band uh, supposed to play with, um, who is it, like Breck and Meyer and... Uh, uh, Donald yeah, Faison, Faison, amongst others, and uh, I don't know who the other two dudes are. What's the name of the band? Love, Love Burger. Burger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he's like, who ordered a Love Burger? <laughs> well done, or something like that. Anybody order a Love Burger? Well done. And you know, the recurring joke is they never actually play any songs. <laughs> uh, they break up right as they're about to start playing. That I mean, they pretty much summarize what every like <laughs> high school band situation is pretty much like: yeah. fighting over nothing, <laughs> never actually playing anything. Right. <laughs> yeah, they have uh, t-shirts, <laughs> and they, f- you know, what some of the members want to wear the t-shirts. And that, of course, is a huge sticking point. <laughs> Which, you know, when we watched this yesterday, I was Yeah, it looks like, cool. Let me get one of them. <laughs> I was like, to be fair, that is like a pretty big... I would be like, if I was in a band and we had t-shirts and then some of the dudes started wearing them right before we were start to, we were going to play our first show or something, I'd be like, oh my God. I think there's like a lot smaller things than that that would set you off too. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, if I just show up in my regular clothes, you'd be like, oh my God, we're not doing this. <laughs> You think I could get a shirt? You know, nostalgia? Yeah. Hey guys, what would you think about a reunion? Nothing big, a few new songs, mostly old stuff. Could be into that. Sure, why not? It all kind of, like, Preston is waiting to pick his big moment and it kind of he has some chances that are like interrupted or whatever. And eventually it leads to a, well, I guess to be fair before any of this happens, um, Mike kind of has his dreams of college life shattered by oh. the legendary trip McNeely. Yeah. Hey man, you want a beer? <sighs> trip McNeely. Trip McNeely. No way, man. Trip McNeely. Trip McNeely. Jeez. You were a sexual icon. You know girls in Huntington still talk about you? Really? Which ones? Must be racking up at college. College. 
I wish, bro. I can't even get digits as a freshman. <laughs> Shut up. Come on, you can tell me. Seriously, man. I thought college was gonna be a 24-7 orgy. Hell, it's even why I broke up with Janine before I left. So, what happened? College chicks are totally different, bro. They're all serious and shit. They all talk about world issues and economological crap. They all want to date older guys. Yeah, but not all of them, right? Way it goes. How I even tried crawling back to Janine. She was all cozy with some senior. He's a pre-med. They all are. Guys like us, we are a dime a dozen. <laughs> Speaking of which, you still with that Amanda chick? She was a prize piece if I ever saw one. Yeah. Me and Amanda. Definitely. Yep. You're lucky, bro. Sure am. Stay with her. It's the best advice I can give you. <laughs> Played by uh Jerry O'Connell in God, probably his scene, finest role. Yeah, this scene is just so great. <laughs> Mike hanging out in the uh, backyard on like a uh, whatever sw- swing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know a bench swing kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Um, he's joined by uh, Trip McNeely, who I guess had graduated probably the year before. And um, this is the only time we see Trip at the party. It's kind of just like he showed up. Yeah, and he's kind of walking around town carrying like a six pack. Yeah, and he kind of educates Mike on how hard it is to actually score with chicks in college and how they're interested <laughs> in older guys and guys that are pre med and how guys like Mike and Trip are a dime a dozen. And so it kind of it kind of opens Mike's eyes a little bit. To what a huge mistake he might have made. <laughs> yeah, like uh, <laughs> Trip McNeely just uh, when Mike's like, "Dude, you're a sexual icon." Chicks at the school still talk about you, and he's like, "Really? He's like, Any of them here?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that leads to a sad attempt at trying to repair the uh, damage with Amanda. Yeah, little trying to rally, get it back. He's wasted. She's not having it. And at this point... All too relatable. At this point, uh, Preston has thrown the letter away in disgust. Disappeared into the night. Kind of given up hope. And somehow, through the magic of a party, (laughs) the letter, which was in the trash can outside, gets tracked back into the house and ends up right in front of her. And she picks it up and reads it. But she, you know hilariously doesn't know who Preston is. <laughs> Which I find Did to be... Did he sign it from Preston? He must have signed it yeah. first and last name because she eventually figures it out from the yearbook who he is. Oh, yeah. But, um... So she's carrying around this letter and it's... Whatever he wrote in it, which we only know a little bit of... I mean, it. I guess a lot of it has to do with what he says when his flashback narration describing when she first came to their school and then like some of the stuff that he does admit to being in there which 
I guess he's talking to the foreign exchange student at that point who doesn't understand him. But um, we so we know some of what's in there. But whatever is in there convinces her, you know, makes her feel good, and she's all on board. Even though it's really just another dude that thought she was pretty. But his letter is saying that he sees so much more than that. Which is a lie. <laughs> because, I mean... Yeah. What does he know about her? He doesn't know anything about her. Yeah, I mean, when dudes have, like, a serious crush, they think... they, they say, It's not even that they're lying, because they kind of believe that. She likes strawberry based... Pop-Tarts. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's based on nothing. It's just like, I think you're so much more than whatever you are now, but... <laughs> It's, which is kind of insulting. In a I way. mean, if she was like, well, what do you think I am? He would be like, oh, shit. <laughs> Just stumped. <laughs> but whatever. So she, she's she got this letter, and you know, Mike is making his sad attempt at reconciliation, and it turns into this scene. <laughs> yeah. Like all, every- all noise has ceased, and everyone is watching. And he's drunk at this point, and he's 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 still so much of an asshole, though, that like he's still making it like he would be giving her another chance or yeah, something. I've decided to take you back. Yeah, like That's he's making it all about like him, and he's like you know graciously <laughs> changed his mind or whatever. But like she is just not interested, and he kind of reacts negatively to that, which. Okay, a man, duh. <laughs> Who's going to want you now? <laughs> and someone calls him a fag, which, you know, would never happen in 2016 in a teen movie, but <laughs> well, his reaction to it is great. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it's basically a public humiliation for him and William Who called you? <laughs> it's like it's so over the top. He he takes comfort in the only person who's seemingly willing to talk to him after this public humiliation, who is William. And that, you know, leads to their little storyline. But uh, Amanda, at this point, is fed up, I guess. And maybe it's unclear if she's on her way out or... Leaving the party. On her way well, out. Well, she was a little off-put by the fact that her, her cousin was trying to hook up with her. Cousin through marriage, though, to be fair. Yeah. What a creep that guy is, though. Unrelated to what he tried to do with her. He just... <laughs> yeah, he kind of was definitely a creep. But, um, yeah, so she's had her cousin, who was the, seemingly the only person that she was, like, talking to in a normal way. He, you know, tries to force himself onto her, and she freaks out about it. And then... For some reason. <laughs> When she initially finds that letter, she starts asking people who Preston is, which leads to a Jason Siegel's like hilarious scene with the other <laughs> stoner kid describing Preston. I think we'll save that description for the clip. I don't yeah, know yeah. if we should even try to recreate it, no. but it's one of the most legendary scenes in the history of film. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like a few clips in this episode. Um. So after the scene with Mike, though, she's had enough and is going to like leave the party and on her way out of the house uh she's basically accosted by tons of dudes who are throwing themselves at her because now i guess everyone's confident that she's really on the open market yeah and she's just not thrilled no these guys who are kind of like giving it their shot she's just like i have been single for like two minutes and at this moment 
Preston returns to the party because he's had an encounter with a stripper. Played, an angel. <laughs> played by uh, Jenna Elfman of Dharma and Greg fame. God, just, she is like unbelievable in this movie. And I don't even mean looks this time. Like her performance in that <laughs> brief role, so good. Yeah, um, she kind of tells him a little story that inspires him to really give it one last chance with Amanda so he's going to show up and go all in and it just so happens to be when he arrives back it's the moment where she's fed up and just shooting dudes down left and right guys talking (laughs) about like their boners that they had when they were dancing with her or yeah so romantic calling her like such a hottie or whatever you know like all the (laughs) stupid things they're saying and she's just disgusted and he Shows up and professes his love, but she takes that to be just another dude. Is she? Because at this point, even seeing him, she doesn't remember who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Which, let's be honest, like makes the whole thing so creepy and sad. It's like, dude, he's basically saying that he's in love with her, and she doesn't even know who he is. Like, it's just insane. Yeah, pretty big bummer, although apparently it works out for him in this case, but... I don't know. I would just be like, really? You don't remember me at all? I mean, we sat next to each other in a class, like right next to each other. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Like, I mean, I'm used to this type of beatdown, but... How big was their graduating class? Carrying a torch for a chick for four years, and she just has zero recognition or memory of you. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think it's ever directly addressed by Preston that she does it because it's almost like he he's unaware that she doesn't know yeah because when would he have even found out because he he's not at the party when she's asking everybody who he is when he comes back he doesn't he's not even fully aware of, that she has the letter like he doesn't know she has the letter yet so he doesn't know that she knows his name but doesn't know who he is you know what i mean like he doesn't yeah. know then and so then they have their big moment and she shoots him down so hard that she gets like another (laughs) applause crowd reaction she got one after the mic situation and now she's you know going all in again where she's just like what is she she's like why don't you get a life god why don't you get a goddamn life you asshole (laughs) it's just like so brutal amanda i love you Listen, um, I know that must sound really strange, but I've always, excuse me, I've always felt that there was this unspoken connection between us, and ever since the first time that I saw you when you were holding my favorite Pop-Tart, and the truth is, I'm leaving tomorrow, and if we could go someplace... Oh, you know what? That is enough. That is enough. God, I haven't even been single for, like, five minutes. And already, already, you think that I am just going to strip off my clothes and do you right here because I don't know. I don't know. You imagine that we shared some intimate moment that you have probably been drooling over for the past four years. God, you know, how sick and deluded are you? You know what? Why don't you just go off and get yourself a goddamn life, asshole? Thanks, man. (laughs) That was the funniest thing I've seen all night. And she leaves the party for good. And in that moment, he's crushed and sad, but his reaction is more just like... Well, 
I figured that's how it was going to turn out. Yeah, it was kind of, it was a realistic reaction of just like, well, I got it out there. Well, <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I did what I had to do. It's like maybe he shouldn't have blurted out that it, he loved her. I mean, I think even he knew that might have been a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> he was coming on strong. Yeah. And I mean, because I mean, it's like, wouldn't even if she read that letter and she was like, even if she knew it was him, she that and she read the letter and she's like, all right, this guy sees something more in me that's really sweet. And then the first verbal interaction between the two of them is him yelling, I love you across like a party of people. I mean, she would be, I, I she would be crazy to not be like, get the fuck away from me. Like, this is sweet, but you're yeah. a weirdo. Yeah. Like, dude, I don't even know you. Like, what are you talking about? This is insane. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, while all of that is going on, we have a couple of other side stories. The first of which, Denise, who has been having a terrible time at the party, <laughs> shockingly. Yeah. Although, she, it is, like, brutal. She gets, like, hit in the face with a brownie or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Or something. What? Yeah, and people are kind of making jokes at her expense because they're, like, taking bets on whether or not they went to high school with her. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she crosses past with Kenny who has been striking out left and right with all of these girls that he'd been hoping to hook up with and finally stumbles upon a girl who's crying because her boyfriend has cheated on her and he overhears her say that she will sleep with the next dude that even talks to her basically is what it ends up being and he goes in for the kill and she's kind of like eh this dude's kind of like a loser, but all right. Well, yeah, she's like, whatever. Anything and, for revenge. And so, I think, what, are they going to go to the pool house or something? I don't know. They had some kind of a plan. I want to talk about that pool house. <laughs> that, I mean, to be What fa- if they got tackled by William's friends on the way to the pool house? That'd be weird. Yeah. Yeah, so, instead of, and then, like I was saying to you when we watched this, like, Every time I see this, it gives me anxiety because I'm just like, because this girl is super cute, and I mean, I guess like you're as as a viewer, you're supposed to be happier with what ends up happening. But I was just like, dude, this girl is like ready to go, and she's super cute. Like, just just go do it, and he has to be an idiot going to the bathroom to like stretch out. I don't really know what all his preparation is. He manages to talk the girl who's throwing the party into letting him go upstairs to use the upstairs bathroom, which no one's allowed upstairs or whatever. And she tells him, like, don't close the door all the way because he gets stuck or something. So he goes into the bathroom and he's in there doing like a whole... He's flipping through his Kama Sutra book. (laughs) He's like spraying himself with things. Like, I don't know. It's a whole thing. It's just like so stupid. And then, of course... Denise comes upstairs to use the bathroom. She opens the door while he's in the middle of... I don't even know what he's doing. I don't know how to... Yeah. <laughs> and he freaks out and is like... He yells, close the door. And she like closes the door behind her. And then he's like, no, I meant go away or whatever. Like, get out. It turns out now they're both locked in the bathroom. And no one can hear them banging on the door. And... Plot twist. Kenny is missing his chance with... The cute Asian girl who he was going to hook up. With. Although it's like such a quick cut back to her hooking up with her boyfriend again. Yeah. It's like, kind of almost like how much time did he have to play with? I mean, he shouldn't have even gone to the bathroom at all. 
No, he should have grabbed her hand and said, let's go. <laughs> but anyway, so that they're stuck in the bathroom, and Mike, who has been humiliated, is crying on the shoulder of William, of all people, someone he's tormented throughout high school and wants to seek out revenge against him. But Mike, of course, is unaware of this, and he's very drunk, and they're kind of bonding in some way (laughs) yeah almost to the point you know where uh well no not even almost like basically to the point where william is no longer interested in you know going through with this plan but william is also drunk and they are both drunk and when the cops come to break up the party the two of them escape together um and end up at the pool house where William's friends don't realize that it's uh, William that they're jumping on as well as Mike and pose the two of them together and take the pictures and the whole thing. And where are the pictures supposed to be going? Unclear. Because they're like, oh, it's William. But they still have the pictures and they still like... They're using like a Polaroid camera. Right. I just don't understand yeah, I don't <laughs> Yeah, they're like, okay, oh, it's so, William. Maybe we should try to resuscitate him and get him out of here. Yeah, like even if it was like Mike and another anonymous jock guy, like who could have been, you know, the guy from Save the Last Dance or Possibly. Freddie Rodriguez, <laughs> yeah. who's also one of the jock friends. Yeah, uh, it's still kind of like unknown as to where those pictures were supposed to go. Because I don't, what were they gonna do with them? I don't even know. No, I don't know. But um. Yeah, so the party gets broken up shortly after Amanda leaves. Um, Kenny and Denise are still locked in the bathroom, and we find out for the first time that these two have a history of being best friends, like in elementary school, and I guess up until like a certain point. And then Kenny decided he was going to try to be cool and left Denise behind. And, you know, they kind of did mean things to each other a little bit. Wrote- Denise Fleming is a tampon on her locker. Yes. Pretty good burn. <laughs> um, yeah. And they kind of like go through their history of... Although I would never forgive someone for that. <laughs> oh, well, then you don't want to see what I wrote <laughs> on your desk at work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they kind of have like this like journey through the past, if you will, of, you know, what happened to them as friends and blah 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 and their life changes and growing apart and all that stuff and it eventually leads to them having sex in the bathroom (laughs) yeah (laughs) and this is kenny's first time denise's second time but uh denise just so comforting afterwards by saying things like it gets better it'll last longer (laughs) yeah i mean she's like She's kind of uncool a little bit, and so when Kenny reacts negatively, you kind of do like think to yourself, "Well, I mean, she shouldn't have said that stuff," because you know, then he's when he says shitty things, we're supposed to be like, "Wow, he's still like an asshole," blah blah blah. But like, I don't know. I mean, she was yeah. She she definitely said some things to bring his defenses back up, you right? Know? Right. <laughs> but uh, they kind of have this weird connection. But then uh, you know, the girl whose party it is, she finally opens the bathroom door and freaks out at the two of them being in there and you know they leave or whatever but 
we don't kind of know what's happening right then with them. Like, is this like a one-off or whatever? It's just like this weird thing happened at a party. You know, it's funny because out of all the people, like, you know, we, we are introduced to Kenny with his quest to have sex with someone. And it's like of all the people at this party ends up being Denise who, you know, we would have never imagined at the beginning or whatever. Yeah, Denise kind of being at the party overall. I mean, I, I why did she stay for so long? I think, you know, she probably thought that she was going to end up just leaving with uh, Preston and having to, like, comfort him <laughs> on his way home. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when he gets shot down by Amanda, like, Denise is nowhere to be found. And it, presumably, uh, if he was looking for her at that point, he wouldn't have been able to find her. And then the cops show up and you know chaos ensues so that's pretty much it for the party and then we kind of in the movie <laughs> we kind of ha- we we we're taken to the next morning where all the characters are kind of having that day after kind of thing there's nothing better than a great day after a big thing you know what i mean i like that better than the thing it's all because it's always better the recapping just the be- eating at the diner or like whatever yeah the the day after the big thing is always you know great and a lot of the characters have shown up at this diner um preston for some reason has to like go to college that day so we kind of forgot to mention that but that's like the big impetus behind this proclamation yeah he doesn't have all summer to try and get this thing going this is it's now or never but it's also like well shouldn't it just be never if you're moving (laughs) i mean yeah plus but you could also say it should be now or never no matter what because what is he gonna have all kind he he she doesn't even know who he is what is he (laughs) suddenly gonna have all these interactions with her all all through the summer i mean i kind of get that feeling that all or nothing feeling like if we don't make some kind of a connection now i'm proud there's a good chance i'm not gonna see you and even if he wasn't going anywhere for the summer you know what i mean yeah like whatever yeah so, there's no cell phones or anything i mean maybe you could get her house number <laughs> so yeah i mean uh preston kind of teases denise about hooking up with kenny like he can't believe it and uh mike is back with his jock friends who kind of abandoned him at the party but he seems to be returning to his former uh, self. And when William shows up, you know, looking to uh, reconnect with Mike, he's kind of shot, you know, shot he's back. Kind down. of soul crushed by Mike, just immediately making fun of him again and not letting him sit down. Yeah. But I mean, that, that part is like kind of rough, but they like rectify it pretty quick by just, giving us the little caption that uh, William, you know, became like a billionaire and Mike became like a college dropout drunk. Who got fired from his job <laughs> at a car wash with some incriminating photos. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. again, it's like such a thing from like 1998. It's like, why, just the idea that you would be fired from your job for being gay or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's like unclear, especially from like a car wash. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's strange. Their background check for the car wash. It was like, yeah. I mean, this movie, uh, employs the, uh, the words on screen, the caption, as he said, like to kind of give us an update as to what happens to all the characters. Um, we have like Kenny and Denise, uh, sitting together at the diner and, 
it seems like they're gonna try to give it a go and then it the words come up that she breaks up with him five minutes later <laughs> but then like a little bit more action happens and then f- more words come up saying and then five minutes after that they find a bathroom and <laughs> get back together <laughs> yeah um but then you know the big final scene of the movie is uh immediate okay <laughs> god we we're like terrible at this like so at the before Amanda officially leaves the party, she grabs the yearbook from Melissa Joan Hart, who has been you know trotting it all over the party, trying to get everyone to sign it. And she actually just looks up who Preston is, and she realizes that it is the That's guy idea. Yeah. that she just destroyed. <laughs> and so now she knows who Preston is. And at this point, you know, as a viewer, you're not a hundred percent sure that that it, that it matters because Preston is on his way to the train station and he is leaving. He's like, "Well, I gave it a go." And I'm on my way out of town you know, now. we get a brief little shot of Amanda in her bedroom, like taking all the pictures of her and Mike down, and like throwing them away or whatever she's doing with them. And you know, he's at the train station, and then. As he's about to leave, she shows up with the letter, and you kind of have your final moment there, and they talk a little bit, and he's just like, yeah, I have to leave, and blah, 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 and they kind of have this like weird little uh, positive interaction, like a connection, and shockingly to us, uh, Only You by Yazoo starts playing a song. Probably the biggest moment of this year for me. A song that Matt and I have a... Very dear to the people of this podcast. <laughs> a big history with, and we were somehow... Even though this is a movie I've seen plenty of times, I just haven't watched it since this song has come into my life. And it was just a, just a shocking moment <laughs> to have that song playing in such a big scene. It's still, yeah, I still really haven't settled <laughs> from experiencing that. Um, yeah, that was unbelievable. And then, you know, they're headed in different directions... And then he, you know, at the last minute, runs back and jumps over a bench and gets in front of her and basically just kisses her. And she full on makes out with this dude that yeah, she doesn't not, she even doesn't know. She doesn't shove him off. No. And, you know, we get the the words on the screen that she wrote him a letter every day that he was away and that they're still together and blah, blah, blah. Happy it's ending. Like that Wendy peppercorn logic. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like. It's crazy because it's like she just got out of a four-year relationship with this dude. She doesn't have a self-identity at all. She's like, you know, I got to figure out who I am and I need to be alone and blah, blah, blah. And like, I need to, you know, get out from under the shadow of this relationship and this lifestyle that came with it. And And then she just immediately jumps into a relationship with someone that she doesn't even know. Just to, you know satisfy the dude audience of the movie yeah well let's be honest though i mean at this point in the movie if they didn't end up with like a happy ending you'd be pissed i mean movies like this which are comedy based you know teen romance type things like they're not supposed to be realistic. I mean, if they yeah, if they I just hit you, I wish with, I knew that when I was thirteen. <laughs> if they threw the cold water of reality onto you just at the last moment of this movie, where there's not going to be a happy ending, you would have been like, I don't think you would have like, I don't think the connection with this movie would be as strong because the tone of this movie does not lend itself to that kind of ending. Like, you could be like, well, yeah, the ending's like 
gritty and real and like blah blah blah. But like I don't know. I would Preston kills himself. <laughs> this just like cuts to him like crying and like jacking off in the bathroom <laughs> of the train station to like a picture of her from the yearbook. Yeah. And then he just drives to uh whatever college he was go you know, was it Dartmouth or something? Yeah. He was going to gets on a train to Dartmouth and then just, you know, Ends up in a relationship with like, this horrible, like, older chick who's, like, a bitch to him, and <laughs> his life sucks. And... But, like, I don't or know. Or worse, he I... starts a podcast. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, no, I just think, like, with this, the tone of this movie is lighthearted, and I think you have to be true to yourself at the end of the movie and this movie is not like that you know it's not yeah. it, it is aspirational it is a fantasy it is like man that would be great if this kind of thing could happen to me kind of thing it's not like this is what it's really like in high school man and the girl that you're in love with now you're not gonna end up with and the girl you have a crush on she thinks you're a loser and you know what i mean She's like right <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. this is supposed to be like a positive like fantasy type thing and i think the ending is acceptable because that's the ending you're you've been prepared for for the hour and you know 40 minutes or whatever right and so it's but like when you do break it down it is ridiculous it's like what is she doing i mean why would she do that yes they went to the same high school but if she doesn't even know who he is a she by reading his name and then b later on seeing him face to face at the at you know that part in the party and having his name still in her mind from the letter still not putting it together then he's basically a stranger yeah he, it I doesn't know. even matter <laughs> it's insane it doesn't matter yeah. that he went to the same school as her or that he has some story of them four years ago but he's just a stranger that's the weird thing though is like i feel like chicks look at that and they're like what a creep that's so weird but it's like I feel like every dude like understands it, <laughs> you know, from yeah. at least some point in their life. Like, yeah, and I mean, this is the ultimate fantasy of that kind of feeling, that just, moment of like, wow, I have a crush on this girl who doesn't really even know who I am, and, and it's so overwhelming that it has driven my life for four years. <laughs> I mean, four, yeah, four years is kind of rough, but like, I don't know. It's just, I think. Even from, like, his perspective, like, and I don't know if this was intentional or if this is just something, you know, in the way that Ethan Embry, like, played this part or something. But, like, like I said, the moment that she kind of shoots him down, he is kind of sad and maybe a little embarrassed because, like, everyone saw it and, and kind of applauded. But, like... Yeah, but to be fair, everyone was like, who is that dude? Does he go to our school? <laughs> like... His reaction to it in that moment and then in the next morning when he's talking to Denise is kind of acceptance. Like the big it's it almost for a minute is like they're playing it as if there wasn't going to be a happy ending and that the big moment for him was just getting it out there and letting her reject him. And that was good enough. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's something he carried for four years deep down. Maybe he knew that she didn't feel the same way because she doesn't even really know him or remember him really. And 
he just needed to say it and let her know and that that would be enough and he kind of like the, the character definitely plays it like that up until yeah. the moment in the train station and it, i i read you know a fair amount about this movie in the last two days and you know i didn't see that anywhere in anything that the directors and writers who were the same two people they didn't mention anything about like an ending being added on or anything like that so i mean i i do think they probably wrote that scene originally and it was always supposed to be part of it but like it definitely feels like they were almost preparing the audience and I know I just went through a whole thing about how the happy ending is makes sense tonally, but it's almost like they were toying with the idea of not giving it to us, just in the just in the way that he reacts. It because is true like, though. It, yeah, it never feels that brutal. Like even though it is brutal, it just feels like he's not as affected as like maybe you would have expected. Yeah, it's almost like... It doesn't shift the tone of the movie, what what you're saying. There's definitely a sense of relief. Yes. Not that she rejected him, but that he just finally... Got it out. Yeah, that he just... He had his moment to say it to her, and that's what he really wanted, and it happened. And he's moving on, and he's going to go to Dartmouth. But, like, yeah, I mean, all of the characters kind of, like find themselves in like these very odd situations um you could argue almost that like no nobody is necessarily better off than they were before the party (laughs) yeah like denise and kenny's relationship seems questionable at best and (laughs) mike's future is so unbelievably bleak that it (laughs) it almost felt like unnecessary to be that harsh like it was like wow and, you know, you could say, well, William has a bright future, but, like, still, I mean, it kind of was, like, a weird thing for him. I don't know. I guess William, you could say, had, like, the happiest experience. I mean, he got to be popular for a night after a whole year of not, or a whole four years of not being popular, and then we get his little caption at the end telling us that he's headed towards, like, such great things or whatever, including, I think it said, like, dating a model or something, you know, and, like... You know, his friend... Oh, God. His friends with, like, the UFO encounter. (laughs) That part is so stupid. (laughs) But, like, yeah. The rest of the characters, though, it's kind of like... They all kind of fall back into their old things. And, like, maybe that that actually probably is more realistic. It's not like some random party is suddenly going to change everybody. But, like, you know, in a movie, you kind of think, like, well, maybe it's a learning experience or whatever, but like even Mike and his, his buddies are back to like maybe thinking they're going to break up with their girlfriends <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? It's almost like the, the previous Let's get night that conversation going again. <laughs> was there anything else? I was just about to ask that. <laughs> um, Jamie Presley. Yeah. Smoking hot does not look like a high schooler. No. in This movie, I would say. Yeah. I mean, one of my, one of the things was like, could you imagine like, Going to high school with a chick that looks like how Jamie Preston looks it's like, like in unbelievable. this movie. <laughs> it's just, she looks like a twenty-five-year-old smoking hot chick, yeah. and she's wearing like basically stripper clothes. Yeah. To it's just like, I mean, it's insane. And that other girl, I think, uh, I can't remember her name. She was in like uh, Transylvania and like the two dorm days movies and <laughs> movies that no one's ever seen. 
yeah, I think her name is like Brittany Lyons or something like that. Something Lyons. She's yeah. just like unbelievable looking too. It's just like these girls look like Playboy playmates, and they're just like you know <laughs> just the normal high school out. chicks. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we covered Love Burger, which was great. I think you know we can't Love even Love Burger getting back together at the end of the party. Yeah. Uh. You know, after they've broken up and then fight, and then they're about to do their reunion at the end <laughs> of the party, and then that's the moment the cops break in, and so they can't play again. Yeah. I feel like we should have gotten a caption on Love Burger, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. what happens in the future for them. <laughs> um, instead of, like, wasting time with that stupid uh, alien thing once the credits start, like, Gosh. they should have went back and done, like, captions for all, like, the minor characters. That would have been, like, really funny. <laughs> I mean, I know it's like a joke in like such a like goofy little universe that this movie takes place in, but the the UFO thing at the end is just like so dumb. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I like I I mean I I like to not even include it in the can hardly wait canon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first time I did not see this movie in the theater. Um, I think I saw Godzilla instead. Um, <laughs> that, there was a choice. Well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean. It wasn't like I was seeing a ton of movies, and I think they were out at approximately the same time. I could be completely off on what movie it was, but I remember being at the theater when this movie was out and seeing something else. Uh, but um, it might have been Dirty Work. Remember that movie with Norm MacDonald and Artie Lang? <laughs> yes, I do, actually. I think that could have been it. That's uh, a, that is the type of shit that I was watching at this point in my to life. To be fair, though, D- Dirty Work is great. But uh, anyway... Um, or it could have been that. <laughs> Here we go. What theater was it at? Uh, Showcase North. Um, could have been that uh, movie with uh, Matthew Perry and Chris Farley, like that last movie that Chris Farley was in. Like, what's that called? Oh, Almost Heroes yeah. or something. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, not as good as yeah. Dirty Work. Um, but yeah, I I ended up seeing it in a very weird circumstance. Um, for whatever reason, still. A mystery to me and to everyone that knows me i was in ski club briefly in like <laughs> ninth grade and it's like a two hour trip maybe was maybe this joining a ski club at all inspired by like a chick no wow just my friends were doing it so yeah. i did it too and huge mistake it was basically me falling down a mountain for a few <laughs> hours and then and then dr- riding a bus back home like yeah. you know it was I didn't. You were supposed to take lessons if you were new, and I never. I just skipped them. Like yeah. I paid for them. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, and I was that kid that like rented a snowboard the first time and had no idea how hard snowboarding is. And yeah, my like instead of paying, like you, if you like go into the lodge, one of the lodge areas, you were supposed you can like pay for like these things to like lock up your stuff while you go inside but like you know a lot of people just didn't do that and and of course my snowboard that i rented was stolen the first time (laughs) (laughs) and you know later on i would have other stuff stolen too but like um you know a lot of like falling down and once i switched over to skiing it was like just the trails that i could do not anything that was actually like downhill yeah but um we would watch movies on the bus from school to seven springs doesn't sound so bad one time we put on can't hardly wait and it was the first time i had seen it and um 
we pulled into the parking lot of Seven Springs. I can't remember exactly what part it was, but it was before the end of the movie, and they just shut it off. (laughs) And I was like, made a scene. Yeah, I was like, I was watching that. What are you doing? (laughs) And it probably wasn't like another until I don't know, like another year or so that I I even saw the end of the movie. So I just had to assume that Amanda and Preston got together at the end of the movie, which of course I was right, but like I didn't know that for a fact for like a full year plus probably but it was like i remember and this is gonna sound kind of (laughs) lame shockingly but like (laughs) unlike everything else on this podcast (laughs) i remember like the day the night after that like i remember thinking like almost like the day after that ski club which would have been like a saturday like i just remember feeling the same way like as if I had experienced those events, like that, you know how we talked about the day, a- the morning after the after the event. Like you went to the diner and we we're talking to your friends about can't hardly. Wait. Like I just carried, I definitely carried that movie with me, and yeah. I, I just like had an in- instant connection, which definitely begs the question as to why I didn't pursue seeing the rest of the movie <laughs> for, <laughs> for so long. Yeah. But like, I, I at that, I think at that point in my life, I wasn't like buying movies on like VHS or anything or. Or even really renting movies. Yeah, you're just like, I hope I see that movie again someday. Yeah, Yeah. that was kind of like my approach to it. Like, yeah, I'll get to it someday. But um, yeah, it just, it was like an instant, like, positive feeling, like, with that movie. Like, I definitely, like, fell in love with it, like, right away. I mean, I know this is going to seem obvious because there's, like, three songs by this band in it, but, like, I will just forever associate it with Third Eye Blind. Like, that movie, I, I think, like, just seeing like the trailer on TV for it, I don't know if how's it going to be was playing in it or something, but I, I just like they're so forever connected for me that that band in that movie just like a killer soundtrack through and through. I mean, it's got Damn It by Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah. It's got Eve Six, Third Eye Blind, Three Eleven, Barry Manilow, Barry Manilow, <laughs> the Yazoo song yeah. at the end. Like, I mean, it's. It's pretty stacked. It's got Paradise City. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I definitely hold this. I mean, there are other teen movies of that era that I enjoy. Uh, Not particularly shocking information there. But, like, I definitely I hold this one so much higher than those other movies, though. Like, I almost don't even consider this a teen movie, which is insane. But it's just, like, I could just consider this, like, a, a, a fun movie to watch. And I could watch it, like, you know, every year, no question. And it, you know, solidified my love for Jennifer Love Hewitt, which, you know, it's, there's still a piece of me today. <laughs> it still feels the same way. Yeah, I mean, she definitely won the year, 1998. All right, folks, we are out of time, and <laughs> we'll have to uh, see you, or not see you, <laughs> theater. <laughs> All right, check back for future episodes. Thanks, and good night. <laughs>